the disparity in dollar figures between the LPGA and the PGA is just embarrassing. Everybody's been talking about Lamar this and Lamar that being the MVP. He shouldn't even be in the conversation, man. Welcome back to another round of the Buttercuts podcast, your favorite destination for weekly golf and sports updates. I am your host, Ryan Murray. Now let's head out to the front nine. This week's front nine is going to be heavily focused on the LPGA Tour. Um, shout out Nelly Corda for picking up her ninth win on the LPGA Tour. want to get into who won the Farmers Open Insurance. And then I kind of want to talk a little bit about the difference between the payouts on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour. So with all that being said, let's head out to the front nine. Nelly Corda, Lydia Ko, nail biter finish on this tour, on the tour this week. Incredible, incredible golf tournament. Um, Nelly Corda started out the final round at 13 under par. She actually ended up going five over throughout her round at one point, dropping all the way to eight under par and four strokes, four strokes behind Lydia Ko. And that's after 16 holes. Nelly Corda was four strokes behind Lydia Ko at eight under par. Lydia Ko is at 12 under. At one point, Lydia ends up making a bogey. She drops to 11 under. Nelly goes into the 17th and the 18th hole needing to make an eagle eagle or like an eagle birdie to have a chance at this tournament. She steps up on the 17th hole, gets on the green in two, it's a par five, drains her eagle putt, unfreaking real, goes to the 18th, has to make a birdie in order to force a playoff. First shot, fairway, second shot, just absolutely throws a dart. Her ball stops within like a foot of the hole. She taps in, makes birdie. Now they're going to a playoff. Um, ends up being a two-hole playoff. So the first hole... They're both in the fairway. Lydia steps up, hits her first shot left, pulls it all the way up against the grandstands left of the green. And now her ball is sitting at the base of the grandstands. She's got no swing. Nelly Corda steps up, hits her tee shot or hits her second shot, flies it on the green, lands it a little short of the hole. It rolls out and it stops like within 10 feet of the hole just on the fringe. So Nelly's in a great place. Lydia has to go take free relief and take a drop from over here on the grandstands. She has a very difficult chip ahead of her. The green is sloping away from her. It's le- right to left. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that are playing into this. She makes a beautiful chip shot. Her ball rolls out, stops within like four feet of the hole, and now she's got a good look at par. Nelly steps up with a chance to win the tournament by making this birdie putt, barely misses it on the left side of the hole. She taps in for par. Lydia steps up, makes her par, and now we go to a second playoff hole. This is where it gets a little crazy. They switch roles on this hole. Lydia Ko's second shot ends up on the green, but like 30 feet from the hole. And Nelly flies the green. Her ball rolls underneath a TV tower. And now she has to take free relief and a drop from a tower or grandstands. Lydia goes, tries to make her putt, actually ends up leaving this thing, I don't know, six to eight feet short of the hole. It was not a normal putt from her for her to leave it that short. It was pretty shocking, actually. And I think that's a good example of, like, maybe nerves kicking in right there. Nelly has a chip shot for birdie. She chips it up. She just skirts it on the right side of the hole, misses by a few inches, and her ball rolls out past the hole, almost the same distance away from the hole as Lydia Ko. So close, in fact, they had to call a rules official out and the rules official had to determine that Lydia Ko's ball was farther away than Nelly Corda's. So now Lydia has a putt for par, and she's got six, seven, eight feet. She hits the ball, doesn't judge the break enough, so either she didn't hit it with enough pace or she didn't aim it in the right spot. Either way, her ball rolls, hits the lip on the low side of the hole, lips out, she misses the par putt, and taps in for bogey. And now Nelly Corda has an opportunity to make a par, 
win the tournament. It would be a wire-to-wire finish for her if she does. She steps up, she makes her par, she wins the tournament. She ends up getting her ninth victory on the LPGA. I can't say enough good things about Nellie Corda, from how incredible her swing is to how much her mentality is stronger and stronger every year that she plays. The attitude that she has on the golf course, how much of a role model she is for young golfers trying to get into the game of golf. Nellie Corda is just one of those people that you guys really need to be aware of and you need to pay attention to. But gets her ninth win on the PG on the LPGA. Congratulations. Here's the thing that's kind of that I think is really shitty about playing on the LPGA tour is the prize purses for these tournaments are so small. <laughs> I say so small, but you have a lot of women playing in these tournaments, and the winner only gets 260 grand. So Nellie Corda wins $262,000, which don't get me wrong, that is a lot of money. If you're a millionaire, if you're broke, 260 grand is a lot of money. But when you look at professional sports, when you look at how much money people make in different areas, and when you look at especially how much money the guys make on the PGA Tour, it's insane to me that the women are making so much less money. This is a normal tournament on the LPGA season. It's one of the it's the second tournament of the year officially. Similarly, the guys are playing at the Farmers Open Insurance this weekend. It's like the fourth tournament of the year, so it's early into their season. It's just a normal tour event. It's not an elevated event by any means. You've got Matthew Pavon, which congratulations to him, first-time winner on the PGA Tour. He's had a very successful career over the last year on the DP World Tour, and now he's earned the right to play on the PGA Tour, and he comes out and he wins the Farmers Open. Incredible. That was a pretty dramatic finish, too. Uh, I think everybody thought that he was going to make a bogey on the last hole to lose a tournament, and he ends up clutching up and making, like, the most incredible freaking birdie imaginable on that hole. It's unreal. Like, the odds of him pulling that off were so freaking low. But he wins $1.6 million. Nelly Corda, 260000 Matthew Pavon, $1.6 million. The disparity in dollar figures between the LPGA and the PGA is just embarrassing to me at this point. And I really, really, really want to see the women get to a point where people are investing more money into them, where they're getting larger prize purses. Now, with all that being said, we've seen an increase over the last year. Last year, they made a huge investment in the LPGA Tour. We saw larger purses than we've ever seen in the history of the LPGA Tour. So things are trending in the right direction right now. And that is fantastic. And I love to see that. But just like everything else in the world and everything else in history, it always takes too long. It is always such a freaking slow rise to get things to the point where they could be. And this is another example of that. Um, anyway, I, I hope to see more and more people watching the LPGA Tour going forward, especially guys. You could learn so much about your own golf game if you would watch more of the women playing golf. They're so incredible. The way that they navigate through golf courses, their swings, their mechanics, their precision, um, the dedication that they have to the game, all of these things, how they practice, it's just unreal. And then you get into the mentality side of it. And Nellie Corda even said after her tournament, she said to a reporter, look, there was a point in the round where I really just thought the tournament was over. She goes, but I just needed to make sure that I kept putting myself in a position to have a chance. And that's all I did was I just tried to put myself in a position to have a chance today. And then it turns out last two holes, she goes eagle birdie, ties the the tournament back up, forces a playoff, and then stays tough, wins a playoff on the second playoff hole to win the tournament. I mean, 
if that's not an example of how mindset can control a lot of different aspects of your life, I don't know what is. And then aside from that, the other big news that came out this weekend, and this is not breaking news by any means, most people in the world of golf already know about this, but Live Golf has signed another golfer from the PGA Tour to come on to the Live Golf scene. Tyrrell Hatton is from the UK. He is the newest member of Live Golf. Apparently, he will be playing on John Rahm's team which still leaves two open spots to be filled. I'm going to be really curious to see who those two people are. And if you guys have been following all of this with Live Golf, John Rahm signed um, earlier this year. Well, it was actually towards the end of 2023. He made the official commitment and he signed to go to Live Golf. And by doing so, they're allowing him to create his own brand new team that didn't exist before. So Tyrrell Hatton is going to go play with John Rahm on his team. That leaves two more open spots for John Rahm's team. I want to hear from you guys. Leave me a comment below and tell me who you think the next two, three, four people are that are going to leave the PGA Tour. And who do you think is going to fill up the rest of John Rahm's team on Live Golf? Uh, it's been reported that Tyrrell Hatton is signing a contract for 50 or $60 million. Dude, I cannot blame this man at all for taking that check. I think in his entire career, he's made about $30 million on DP World Tour and PGA Tour combined over the course of 128 events. And now he's able to double or possibly triple. I mean, he's basically just going to double his money by signing a contract to go to live. So, And to be fair, man, Tyrrell Hatton is a, is a great golfer, but his personality doesn't fit the PGA Tour very well. He's a very loud guy. He is explosive. He wears his heart on his sleeve, his emotions on his chest. Like if he makes a bad putt, this dude is going to tell you about it. You know, he does not have a problem with cussing or any of that kind of stuff. And on top of that, like as good of a golfer as he is, the level of competition on the PGA Tour just really made it to where he probably wasn't going to win very much more in his career on tour. Um, he has one PGA Tour victory to his name. I would have been shocked if that man would have ever reached five career PGA Tour victories. And that's not a knock on Tyrrell Hatton by any means. That is literally just a testament to how difficult the competition is on the PGA Tour and how hard it is to win any given week out there. For Tyrrell Hatton, his personality is a better match for live golf. Now he doesn't have to stress about not winning on the PGA Tour. And he's making a ton of money, so... I think it's going to be a win-win. But again, I want to hear from you guys. Tell me who you think is going to go to live next. And then tell me if you think they're going to play on John Rahm's team or, or what. This is going to be a relatively short episode this week. Aside from that, I just want to give you guys a reminder. Next week is the Waste Management Phoenix Open. This Friday, I will be flying out to Phoenix. I'm going to be out there for two weeks. Trying to get some golf matches with people that I can film put up here on the YouTube channel. I think that's going to be super fun. And um, I will be at the Waste Management on Wednesday during the day for the Pro-Am. And then that night, I'm going to be going to Grass Clippings as a spectator for the Good Good Desert Open. If you guys are going and you're going to be out there, either at the Waste Management or at the, the Good Good event, if you happen to see me in the wild, come say hi. I would love to meet you guys. I'd love to chat with you guys. The last part of this, the 19th hole, we'll do a recap on the NFL weekend. We have the NFC AFC championship games going on 49ers going up against the Detroit lions. And then you had the Kansas city chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. I tell you what, I did not see Kansas city winning. I had my money on Baltimore, not only going to the super bowl, but winning the super bowl this year. And I had that pick weeks ago, like months ago, Baltimore just looked unstoppable, man. And, um, Credit to Kansas City, their defense was able to shut down Lamar Jackson. You could definitely see that Baltimore was very frustrated throughout the game, throughout the entirety of the game. 
And um, kudos to Kansas City, man. They pull off another massive win. They're going to the Super Bowl again. It's unreal to think about the fact that Patrick Mahomes has only been in the NFL for six years. This is his fourth appearance in the Super Bowl. He's been to the AFC Championship all six seasons. Just unfreaking real. He's won two Super Bowls already. I mean, this kid is un- insane. Um, he's a real deal. So congrats to Patrick Mahomes. Congrats to Kansas City Chiefs. I think the game of the weekend that everybody's going to be talking about more than anything else is the Lions versus the 49ers. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people that believes that Dan Campbell made some poor choices that ended up costing the Lions that win. Look, at the end of the day, players got to play, players got to make plays. And when you fumble the ball and you throw interceptions, it's going to be hard to win in the NFL, especially in the playoffs. But when your team is only down by three points and your coach decides to go for it on fourth down because that's what he's been doing all year and you can't pick up a first down, instead of kicking a field goal and tying a game, look, I can't help you there, man. Like, that's just poor coaching. I understand the mentality of let's just keep doing what got us here. I get that. But at the same time, like you're playing in the NFC championship game for an opportunity to go play in the Super Bowl. Maybe, just maybe for that one game, you let go of the freaking crazy ass aggressive attitude and you just play smart. And when you have an opportunity to put points on the board, put freaking points up on the board. The flip side of that, though, is we don't know what the odds were that the kicker could make it. Maybe there was something going on in the stadium with wind conditions or whatever. Maybe the kicker was having an off night. I know coaches will judge that on the, on, you know, leading up to the game conversation that I had with Ty Long. That episode's coming out this week, actually, on Thursday. He's an NFL kicker that most recently played for the Chargers, and he's currently a free agent. But he was telling me, the judge, you know, the coach will look at you in warmups, and if he doesn't feel like you have a high enough success rate or a high enough chance of making a field goal at a certain distance in the game, then he'll make a decision to not put you out there and he won't let you kick. So who knows? Maybe Dan Campbell saw something in his kicker, Badgley, before the game that was like, look, we don't trust you to make that kick. I don't know. But I just think that not giving yourself a chance to tie the game in a couple different scenarios, not giving yourself a chance to win, um, that that hurt the Lions and that really took them out of their opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. So I feel bad for Lions fans out there. But the 49ers played fantastic. And for everybody that's been talking shit about Brock Purdy, calling him a game manager and Mr. Irrelevant because he was you know the last guy um, to get picked in the NFL draft, he's proving to everybody that he can play football, man. He can play football on the highest stage with the highest stakes. And when it counts most, he made some incredible plays. He's a great kid, and uh, I look forward to watching the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That's it, man. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers going to the Super Bowl. Drop a comment. Tell me who you guys have winning the game. You picking the 49ers or you picking the Chiefs? Is Mahomes going to get another MVP? That's another thing, too. With Lamar Jackson losing and Brock Purdy winning, who's going to win the league MVP now? You know, a lot of people are talking about how Lamar was a lock, but I got to be honest with you guys. If you go and you look at the stats for the QBs this year, Not only does Brock Purdy beat Lamar Jackson statistically across the board in every measurable aspect as a quarterback, but he's beaten him by like a landslide. Like Lamar Jackson is literally like in the middle of the pack as far as his stats for QB. Brock Purdy Purdy has more passing yards. He's got more passes over 20 yards, more completions over 40 yards, a higher completion percentage in general. He's got more touchdowns. He has less turnovers. I mean, what do you want, dude? Like, what else does a guy got to do to be considered a league MVP? Everybody's been talking about Lamar this and Lamar that being the MVP, but what has he really done to earn it? Yeah, they won games, and he took his team to the playoffs, 
But again, like if you just look at stats, he shouldn't even be in the conversation. And there's literally 10 other quarterbacks that have better stats on Lamar Jackson right now. And we're over here talking about how he should be the league MVP makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever, but who knows? I guess we'll find out here soon enough. I'm not a huge fan of the Pro Bowl nonsense, so I'm not going to pay any attention to that this week. I'll be in Arizona, but uh, Las Vegas, two weekends from now, or like a week and a half from now, we'll have the Super Bowl. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be fun. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. Again, let me know in the comments who you think is going to win. And then coming up this week, we have the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That's going to be super excited. AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, one of my favorite tournaments to watch every single year. And then the following week is the Waste Management Phoenix Open. The last thing I got, I want to leave you guys with, my wife and I had founded a nonprofit charity in Nashville, Tennessee. We're trying to help foster children in Tennessee. The name of our organization is called New to You. And the idea behind it is that if people were going to donate clothes, we wanted them to donate them to our organization instead of places like Goodwill. They take less than 1% of that profit and donate it to charities throughout the year. So um, we wanted people to be able to bring their clothes to a place that would then redistribute that out to people that actually need it and not charge them anything for it. In the two or three years that we've been doing this, we have had so many generous supporters, so many incredible people donate clothing items, food items, backpacks, suitcases, and money to our organization for us to be able to help others in the Tennessee area. We've been able to donate thousands of pounds of food to multiple organizations. Thank you so much to Toyota of Cool Springs for doing a food drive for us last year and helping us with that. We've been able to donate thousands of pounds of clothing to organizations around Nashville, including battered women's shelters, foster children, halfway homes, all these different places. We've been able to donate backpacks, uh, suitcases, to foster organizations around the around the state so that kids that are being placed in foster homes don't have to put their belongings in a black trash bag. They can actually feel like more of a human being, put them in a backpack, put them in a suitcase or a duffel bag. That has been unbelievable. I say all this not as a way to brag, not as a way to showboat. I want to be as transparent with you guys as I possibly can. There are really only three reasons that people choose not to donate money to charities. And typically, it's because they don't trust where that money is going to get allocated once it's donated. Um, understandably so. I don't want to donate my money and have it just go to some CEO's pocket. So we get that. And then on top of that, people have maybe had a bad experience in the past, or they just cannot connect with the mission or the objective of that organization. And those are very valid reasons to never donate money to an organization. Totally get it. I will tell you that there are over 9,000 children in Tennessee that are registered as foster children. I can tell you that 34% of the time, children are gonna get placed in three separate homes within the first 12 months of coming into the foster care system. I can tell you that up to 80% of all children in foster care have some sort of major mental um, illness, whether that's um, trauma-related, whether it's um, abuse, anything like that. And I can tell you that over 60%, I think it's actually up to 60% of children in the foster care system are actually taken and end up in either sex trafficking or uh, human trafficking, one or the other. So it is a huge issue. 
there are nowhere near enough foster parents to take care of all these kids. And with that, there are also bad foster parents that don't do a good job of taking care of kids. I say all of these things to let you know, if you have the heart in you to connect with the mission of our organization, which is to partner with other local organizations here in Tennessee to provide food, clothing, housing, and basic daily needs like soap, shampoo, toilet paper, diapers, all those things to foster kids. If that resonates with you and you feel so inclined to donate, you can go to newtoyoucharity.org. There's a donate tab on there. 100% of any monetary donations that we receive go directly towards our mission of providing food, clothing, and housing, and basic daily needs to foster children. I can proudly announce to you guys that we just had our first scholarship recipient. It's a young lady here in Nashville. She just graduated high school recently. And the problem with foster care is once kids turn 18 and they graduate, they have very little resources available to them after that. And unfortunately, this young lady doesn't have anybody else in her life that can take care of her or help her out. She is literally on her own. She wants to be a nurse. She wants to help others. She is currently enrolled in nursing school, but she's struggling with tuition costs. And my wife and I were able to take some of the money that had been donated to us from previous events, and we were able to provide her $3,600 in tuition to help her this semester. We've also been able to be in contact with you know, social workers for other children that are in similar situations. We're currently working to see what kind of assistance we can help with those folks as well. And we are going to continue to provide those types of um, assistance to, you know, older children leaving the foster care system as well as other children that are still currently in the foster care system. It's an incredibly proud moment for us. Again, I don't say any of these things to be bragging. I don't say any of these things for any recognition whatsoever, other than to just be transparent with you guys. There is a dramatic need. And if you feel so inclined and if you choose to allow us to be the way that you support these kids, we want you to know that everything is on the up and up. Everything goes directly towards what it is that you want your money to go towards. We don't take salaries. We don't have any employees. It is just my wife and I doing this at the moment right now. And um, we're so incredibly grateful to be able to have even just a small impact on our community. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you like this content, if you like this format, please let me know in the comments. Tell me if you want me to keep doing this. If there's anything else I'm missing, let me know. But I appreciate you guys. Like the chant, like this video, subscribe to the channel, turn on your notifications. I'm trying to put one of these videos out every Tuesday for you guys. And then I'll have individual interview episodes that I'll just post whenever I get them ready and available. Until next week, tee it high and let it fly.